0: Hey, welcome to The Aggressive Life. This is Brian. You know, on this podcast, I've been able to connect with some really, really fun people. It's like I never knew I could connect with such fun people until I had a podcast. It's wonderful. Rock stars, elite athletes, thought leaders, creators. But aggressiveness isn't just for people with a blue check by their name on Instagram. It's not just a calling card for people who have won the fame lottery. It's the key to a life that works, period, including mundane lives. Now, I say mundane, I've got a guest today. Uh, You've never heard of him before. I assure you his life is not mundane, but he's not going to end up in Hollywood lights. And yet he's living one of the most aggressive, godly lives I know he's a man, he's living his life by doing what he feels God wants him to do. He's held the Guinness Book of World Records in weightlifting. He's an adoptive father of nine, count them, N-I-N-E kids, each of them with a special health need or developmental delay. He's a stay-at-home dad and a husband, giving his best efforts to the family he's chosen, and he's done it all outside the eye of the world at large. He's not going to get a lot of followers on Instagram over this. He's not going to get a book writing deal on this. He's just doing it because it's the right freaking thing to do. That's why he's doing it. That's true aggression. It's pushing forward knowing that there's something different for you. He's a principled, disciplined man. I'm thinking he's going to inspire you. Welcome, Greg Icorn, to the Aggressive Life.
1: All right, thanks for having me.
0: It looks. Is your hair more blonde than I remember before? Did you Did you dye your hair?
1: I I never dye my hair. I'm just a redhead. You yep. are redhead. Strawberry, yeah, strawberry
0: blonde. I see the red inside of the beard. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and when you came in, I shook your hand, and I was going to. Um, I was going to start grappling with you, but I, re- I realized I would lose that. Uh, you're the first person who turned me on to the phrase grappling. Oh, what, yeah? what, what, you're pretty darn good at it. What What is grappling?
1: Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm good at it, but like— What do you I, mean? You, <laughs> have, you go to meets, you win meets. You're good at it. Yeah. Back back in the day, I used to do submission grappling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, yeah, some of that stuff. Yeah, I, I just enjoy—I enjoy a enjoy challenge no matter what it is, so— so yeah.
0: submission grappling, I knew, and I was with you the last time a few years ago, you were heading off to a meet someplace. Sure. So what does a submission grappling meet look like? You find somebody, you just put your hands around their neck until they stop breathing or what?
1: Yeah, kind of. I mean, uh, so the last time I think we had talked, it was a couple of years ago, I was going to the Arnold uh, up in Columbus. It's like a weightlifting exposition, and uh, they, they match you up with opponents that are pretty equally skilled, and then uh, you just grapple until your opponent taps out or uh, if it goes to points like I had a guy locked up in a headlock for so long that uh, he ended up winning because he had more points kind of like wrestling it's like wrestling for adults but your opponent is tapping out because they give up
0: Oh, that's what I was wondering. What is the difference between grappling and wrestling and MMA?
1: Uh, so the submission aspect, somebody giving up or um, it, it's it's like the truest sense of wrestling because your opponent is saying, oh, I quit, I quit, you got me, uh, tapping out. It's it's the UFC portion where they're not punching each other in the face.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. And and you're still doing it right
1: now? I, I don't. No, I, I, I mostly rock climb. I weight lift. I'm like... I don't want to say I'm a pacifist, um, because people that know me know that's not true. But
0: (laughs) You're a kinder, (laughs) gentler Greg Eichhorn who wants to grapple on rocks instead of people who (laughs) have rock-hard muscles. Right, sure. (laughs) So you mentioned that you've also got a gym, or you said at the gym. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. uh, I I have a home climbing gym. Uh, i I'm speculating it's the largest in the world based on uh, the people that I've interacted with on Facebook and just being top posts on, like, home climbing forum and things like that. I have a 2,000-square-foot floor space rock climbing gym, uh, and we do circus stuff in there. Uh, We rock climb. We have, like, 34 feet across a ceiling that we, like, clip into and climb uh, boulders that you get on top of with workout areas and... So yeah.
0: 2,000 square feet, how high
1: does it go, though? Uh, 26 feet up. In yeah, your exactly. house? Yeah, I converted a church to a house. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, live, I live in an 8,000-square-foot house.
0: Uh, okay, this, this is why I dig people like you. I, I really, I, I, I like getting with people who push my mind to think things I wouldn't normally think, yeah. right? So uh, you just thought, oh— there's all kind of abandoned churches because people aren't going to church anymore. Why not? I'll make that a house and I'm going to do that because I can have a high rock climbing wall in my house. Or did that come after the fact?
1: Uh, so we did it for two reasons. Our family, I have nine adopted kids and two of them are in wheelchairs. I mean, at the time, maybe three were in wheelchairs, but like we wanted the handicap accessibility of a ranch. That's just enormous because we have a crap ton of kids. We have 11 kids. And then we also wanted the high ceilings because my wife does aerial stuff. Have you ever seen like greatest showman? She's incredible like she does flips and death drops and things like that. And then we also rock climb so we needed the height for the ceiling and and uh, so we just have a we have a ton of fun Sheesh. we have a ton of fun in life.
0: let's talk about your 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 kids. You said you got two DNA kids and nine adopted kids Oh no
1: we have two uh foster kinship kids right now so. Uh, We have two kids that are my nephews that are living with me uh, just for the county needing a place for them to stay that's safe. Uh, And then we have nine adopted kids, ones that are ours for good. What ages? Uh, My oldest is 22 that I adopted from Uganda internationally. She's about developmentally a one-year-old. And then we have 13 on down to six are my adopted kids. So there's like a big old bunch of them. Developmentally all over the spectrum. But like – so 22 – Thirteen to six, and then we have a one-year-old and a baby.
0: I'm, I'm gonna write this down. There's so right many now. things. Yeah, 22, it's, it's... thirteen to six, one and a baby.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Twenty-year-old, you said, who's developmentally a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. So, what, what what does that look like practically day to day?
1: So she's she wears diapers. Uh, she rides around in a wheelchair. She can modified crawl. Uh, she has crippled legs. Uh, Zahara has like – she was actually the face of developmental disabilities on their pamphlets and stuff a year ago. Uh, uh, she's missed her two front teeth, like obviously special needs. But she just needs help getting on the toilet and getting her food and getting up into chairs and things like that. So getting out of bed in the morning. So she can function, uh, but she's she doesn't talk. Actually, it's kind of funny. I have three kids that don't talk, three kids that are mute. Um, and, uh, so like Zahara just gets around. Well, that's nice. They don't, they don't talk back to you. Oh, you it's tell great. Them what to, yeah. You A tell lot. them
0: what to do and they're like, uh, silence is the best option, I guess. Oh,
1: my dependent care son is my best behaved kid. <laughs> he's, he's my, he, there's no favorites, but he's my favorite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I was at, uh, in my house this morning. My daughter was dropping off, uh, her kids, my grandkids to our, uh, to our house today, uh, on Mondays as we're recording this. And uh, I was in the other room. I was having to do some work in the room, and and she was leaving. My my youngest, I don't know what JJ is. He's two and a half or something like that. I heard him. She's trying to get him. She's trying to get him off of the pacifier, you know. Which I'm like. I don't. I, I I give a rat's ass if any of my kids <laughs> suck pacifier. I, I give my kids barbed wire if it keeps them quiet, right? But they're, she's trying yeah. to get them off, so so she uh, she would only give him his pacifier for the day staying over with my wife at the at the house if he would repeat he's going to listen and obey. So you so hear this little, so tell, tell, tell your grandmother, you're going to listen, and obey. I, 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 listen, listen. Tell her, tell her, I, I listen and obey. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was great. Anyway. So yeah, give me a rundown of your kids. So you got a 20 year old who is developmentally a one year old. Mm-hmm. You have Two mute children, you said.
1: Yeah, so Elijah, he's 13. He's dependent care. He's got a vent, um, and uh, so he has well, what's to. A, what's a vent? A vent is where you have a tracheotomy and you breathe through your neck. So, and it, it provides air pressure so that you can actually function your lungs. So, to most people, they'd be like, "Oh, what does he do?" Like, but like, I tell you what, he's impacted my life more than any other one of my kids. Like, um, that's where you really truly learn. Like, somebody has something to teach everyone. Uh, because, like, he's changed my life. He's the reason I have all my other kids. Well, how, how's he changed your life? Tell oh, me that. Man, uh, just the patience and peace and, like, so I, I'm i a Christian, and I relate to God how Elijah relates to me. Like, I need God in order to function in the way that I do, in the capacity that I do. So, like, I'll hold Elijah. Like, I've had one of my friends say, like, did you hold him through that whole Star Wars movie? That's insane. He's 13 and I'm like, yeah, that's how he, he feels me holding him, feels me snuggling with him. You know, this big, strong weightlifter. Oh, I'm holding my son through a whole movie. Absolutely. And that's the same way I feel God towards me is that same kind of love and connection that God has towards me. So it's just been incredible. It's changed everything about me. Honestly, that's probably one of the reasons I was a submission grappler. And now I'm a rock climber pacifist who allows anybody who wants to come to my house to my house whenever they want and eat dinner with us. And yeah, it's changed everything.
0: Man, when he, when you hold him as a thirteen year old, he's he's beside you or he's on your lap, oh,
1: sitting on my leg. Yep, wow. yep. He has he has such bad spinal uh, scoliosis that he curves one way, so I'll put him the way that he leans into me, and yeah, he's just leaning right against my right against my chest, sitting on my leg, holding him. Last night, watching a movie, like that's how he feels love, so that's how I give him love. Mm. Yeah, parenting's strange. Like your kids are unique. They each need love in very different ways, which is that that's that's probably one of the things I've learned most about being a parent. Like your kids need love in very very different ways.
0: Mm. Give me the rundown of your kids. Go ahead down the list.
1: Oh man, down the list. So Kimura, she's she's development. She's thirteen, but she looks like a seventeen year old. Like uh, very responsible, very helpful. Come a long way. Uh, most likely in my family to be a doctor, or something smart. Do whatever she wants. In life, just very, very encouraging. More typical developing, um, just come a really, really long way in life. So she's not a high needs child. Not a high needs child at all. No. All right. No. Uh, Adric, he's my next. He had kidney failure disease, uh, so his kidneys are on edge all the time. Very aggressive. Uh, he, he's he's a. Uh, I pushed him one time. Like we were out rock climbing, and uh, we're climbing this boulder, and uh, it's twenty five feet high. And people would say you're insane. You couldn't let your kid climb that. And I'm like, now nah, we got this four inch pad, and I'm, you know, I'll kind of grab him when he's coming down, <laughs> and he gets like 20 feet up, and he's like, Dad, look, I'm on this rock, and I'm like, Yeah, you are, dude. <laughs> like, keep going, man. Top it out. Like, get on top. Wait, he has he has kidney problems, Greg. Why would you allow him to do something like climb a rock? Because we're pushing him to his fullest potential, growth every day. Yeah, that's the goal. Wow. Okay, keep going. Oh man, uh, Gideon, hyper emotional. The boy has more. He, he has more emotional capacity than I would ever dream to have, like very in tune with someone's feelings. He's like, oh, man, like he he's feeling he's feeling hurt and like he's feeling left out and very, very sensitive, uh, scrawny as you can be, um, has to drink one and a half strength, PediaSure to stay alive, mm-hmm. like had a G-tube, got it taken out, uh, just very but like he'll He'll like campus, which is like rock climbing with no feet. He'll like climb with just his arms. Wow! Because he weighs like thirty pounds. Wow! (laughs) He probably weighs like fifty, but like he's eleven. I mean, like, uh, but just very, very emotionally aware and like just teaches. Like my kids teach me so many things. All of them individually. Well, as we know, we're going through them.
0: Right. What do your kids? I I guess is a stupid question, but I've, I've never, I've never actually thought about it until now, or been able to ask somebody with with the massive physical challenges that your kids have do they do they think that they have massive challenges do they grieve the challenges that they have do they have um uh, any bitterness about it or are they – it's just who they are or they don't think about it? What, what, what's that look like?
1: I think that we try to enable our kids in a way that we enable them to their capacity, right? So like let's, let's talk about intelligence, right? So like some of our kids aren't going to be rocket scientists, right? So we're going to say things like, hey, when you grow up, having a job as a pizza dude is awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Because we know that's their potential. And uh, we're not going to say like, oh, you're going to be president like that would be absurd to try to enable a kid in a way that's unrealistic. But we also don't try to put caps on them either. Like, hey, if if he works at his pizza shop, we're gonna be like, hey man, if you think you could do this management thing and like you've held a job down for a couple years, like do it, right? So we'll push them to their capabilities, but like, I don't think that it limits them. They, they don't they don't see the limits like we do, right? Like they they don't see that limit. So we wanna encourage them to the point where like, hey, like you can do this, If you want to, it's all a matter of effort, right? Like, I mean, like, partly that's what caught your eye for me coming here is effort, right? Like doing weightlifting world records and stuff like that. Well, like, I'm not stronger than everybody in the world, right? Like, I'm just willing to push harder.
0: Tell me about your Guinness Book of World Records lifting thing. What what was it? What did you do?
1: Yeah, so my first one I did was, it's called a Turkish getup. So you take a weight, a kettlebell, like a cannonball with a handle, off the ground, laying flat on your back, do a single-arm press. Uh, you press up, like you do like a sit-up, and then you stand up with it over your head, ultimately. Yep, I've done. It. Yep, locked out. Yeah, so I, I did that, the most weight in one hour. So uh, it's just total weight. So I could use a 10-pound kettlebell if I want, but I'm not going to get the weight I want. So I grabbed like a 55-pound kettlebell, and I cranked out like – almost one hour mm. for the world record, like with witnesses and everybody seeing it. So it ended up being like 10,700 pounds. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. It's awesome. And then some Canadian come and beats me by four pounds.
0: Oh, freaking Canadian socialist guy. Come <laughs> on.
1: Yeah. His wife's got the burpee world record. It's cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Have you gotten to know him? Uh, no, no, no. You don't. Know. But yeah. But I'm going to go back and take it again. So it'll be okay. So effort. I like that yeah.
0: Effort. So you see a translation, or transference between weightlifting and rock climbing and parenting high needs
1: kids. Absolutely, absolutely. Good. Give
0: me, give me your sermon on effort. You, 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 that came out of your mouth like you thought about oh. this a lot. Talk oh my about gosh!
1: It. Yeah, I mean, this is what we drill into our kids. So intentionality. So, and I know this resonates with you a hundred percent. I've, I've listened to your podcast. Like I know I hear you talk. Like you, you, you're a hundred percent on board with this intentionality intentionality is how you do anything that you do in life. You don't make any choice without knowing why you're making that choice. At any given point in the day, I could say, stop. Why are you making that choice? And what is causing you to make that choice? And you should be able to give me an answer. Because if you can't, why are you eating that donut? Right? Oh, are you eating it because it tastes good? Or are you eating it because you're hungry? So like there's two different reasons, right? One way you're going to get fat, one way you're enjoying life, right? And both of those are fine answers, but you need to know what you're doing, right? Our kids, we say, you can do anything you want in life, anything you want in life. Adric's my perfect example. You can join the army when you grow up. And he's like, yeah, I want to fight. And I'm like, that's a stupid reason to join the army. If you want to protect, that's a great reason to join the army. So you can do whatever you do in life and decide why you're doing what you're doing and have a reason, intentionality. Everything has to do with intentionality. So if you ask me at any given point in time, why are you doing a world record? My capacity. I'm doing my best. I'm showing my kids what persistence, resilience, all those things, what that means. I'm showing my kids. I'm showing myself. I'm just proving it.
0: It is, it's such a um, challenging thing to be with you and hear your story about effort Given the things that you're putting your effort to, a lot of us would hear that effort thing and say, yeah, so therefore I'm going to, you know, do a go rock event for a marathon or therefore I'm going to put that effort into, you know, getting married or I'm going to put that effort into, you know, all those things are fine, fine. But you're, you're putting your effort, Greg, into... Human beings who are incredibly high maintenance, maintenance and incredibly difficult, and have got to be, it has to be backbreaking and emotionally bending work. Sure, yeah, that a little bit. What what causes a guy like you to do that kind of effort? Because because most of us are not choosing that kind of effort. We're choosing the effort that gets on social media or that pushes our our career forward or our financial standing forward. You're choosing to put effort into your family, bringing people into your family that are
1: going to complicate your life. Why? How? Yeah, well, and, and again, I think there was a message series a long time ago that Crossroads Church did called Place at the Table that you guys involved me in a little bit. And uh, that was like, it, it spoke to me completely, right? Like my tattoo on my back, it's two hands saying like, it, you know, heir to the throne, and, uh, like I, I, found my identity in God a long time ago. Identity in God. Absolutely. What does that mean? Uh, that means that I feel at home. Like I have a relationship with God that I can wake up. I, at any point in time, I have access to God, right? Just like my kids, if they need something, they can come to me at any point in time and say, Hey, Dad, help me out with this or whatever. Like, and, uh... I have a home, right? My kids are adopted, like my tattoo, my scripture on my arm. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, you are also an heir, right? God, including me and his family. I feel like I have a home and I have a family because of the way that God accepted me into his life. Because I said, God, I want you. I want you first. I want you most. And like put that as a priority in my life. My, when my wife and I got married, that was our tether, right? That was our point. Like, hey, we're never going to get divorced. We're never going to split because we have a really strong stake that if we get too far away from each other, we can pull back into that same space and be loving and have that same foundation of God is who we are together with. So whether I become crippled because I do too many Turkish get-ups and my shoulders don't work and we can't do circus stuff together or whatever it is, we still have that foundation together of being part of God's family and having that same purpose together in that.
0: You're a living breathing sermon on the love of God is what you really are. You know, when you come into into a Crossroads facility, you know, Greg comes in and he, he's got a very large, diverse family. And I don't mean diverse just in terms of skin tone. I'm talking about medical apparatus bolted to people and pushing people and all that stuff. And it melts everybody's heart all the time. And I don't think people are spiritually wise enough to know why it melts their heart. I think some people think, oh, when they see someone like you or somebody else like you, I think they have a sense of just compassion of how difficult your life may be or how more difficult it may be. Um, yeah, your life is more difficult than mine. But really what gets us, and people don't see this, what gets us is primally, there's a primal thing, I think, inside of us that we identify. We don't even know we're doing this. We identify with your kids who have challenges, and we think, that's what my heavenly Father does for me. (laughs) I'm limping along on life right now. I am not as competent and capable as I want people to think that I am. I am not self-sufficient. I have bruises. I am barely getting by. I am broken, I am battered, and when I see a dad like you, it just makes me realize that's my heavenly father is for me Absolutely. that's that's I think the power of what you're you're not you're not doing it for that reason, but I think it's one of those ways that the the physical realm intersects the spiritual realm, and your family is a physical representation of the spiritual realities that God is inviting us to you 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 agree with that
1: within reason i mean but like at the same time, like I, I don't know, like I don't, I don't see myself that way, and and I, I guess that's a good thing, uh, that like I, I you don't see yourself as God, <laughs> no, Greg. You should no. see yourself as God. Come on, that's the point. <laughs> no, not as God. I, I I see myself as someone who's failed and normal and maybe putting forth more intentional effort than other people. Um, like I, people get really upset with me because they'll say I have the best marriage out of anybody I know, and they're like. Well, that's stupid. Like, you know, how are you going to say that? I said, because I pursue my wife every day, right? And like people 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 be upset. Like, like, yeah, I'm having sex three times a week. Sorry. Like, sorry, you haven't had sex in a month, but I love my wife. I get up every Saturday morning, write her a half hour love note. What effort are you putting in? Right. Like, you know, I give my wife breaks. I'll be like, go take a trip for climbing for a couple of days. I'm gonna watch all the kids. We've known people that have been like, Oh, get the in-laws over, like wife's leaving for a day trip, like to go to woman camp or something like that. And they have the in-laws move in, like, you got one kid, man up, dude. What's your problem? <laughs> like, like I don't understand stuff. You know, like so we we love each other in a way that like is so over the top that I'm like you can't help like oh yeah and do we have fights yeah we have fights all the time we disagree she's a liberal i'm more conservative right like but like we still have that love that foundation you know like it it's different like yeah i i don't know i don't know how to describe it like but i think it's the effort aspect so i i, I don't see myself as like special i'm i'm normal and but kind of like getting world records and being strong. I just put forth more effort than most people. Like, it's not that I'm special. I'm not specially gifted, you know? It may, like, everyone is subtly specially gifted, but, like, it's just what you do with the effort that you're given.
0: You're starting to piss me off. Oh, Yeah, you're starting to piss me off. Like, writing your wife half-hour love letters on Saturday morning, you're starting to raise the bar in my life, Greg. I'm not liking it. Yeah.
1: Well, and again, I I don't enjoy writing, especially. That's not my that's not my thing. But like we we did this love language test or whatever, and she's like, oh, words of encouragement. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, you know, I'm sure it's not something else. You know, like sure it's not physical touch because yeah, I exactly. could I could physically exactly. touch on yeah. 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 yeah yeah. Maybe we should just have sex more. I think yeah. that'd be better. Uh, no, but it, it's it is that effort aspect. I don't know.
0: No, that's great. I, mean, I think this is it's just really good for us to see and hear this because this is the kind of effort that um doesn't get you a bonus at work and you don't get congratulated for like who's going to sit around and say Greg way to go you did your half hour you know you did your you did your half hour love letter day woohoo Greg way to go you you held your son in your lap you know for hours woohoo Greg way to go you read another chapter to your daughter when you were tired and worn out at the end of the day woohoo I mean those are, the, those are the things that really define whether or not our life is about love.
1: Sure. Well, and, and and again, people see those aspects or maybe hear those aspects and don't realize, oh, hey, Greg, you yelled at your kids for 10 minutes as loud as you can because you're, you know, screwing up. And people think that like, oh, hey, like you're to be exalted, Greg, or like, you know, my friends would, would tease me and – and say like, you know, oh famous Greg and like, you know, like, oh, you're the holier than thou and stuff like, oh, you're really famous. That stuff, I, I fail constantly. Sometimes I want my kids to be so well behaved, I lose connection with them, mm. right? Where they're like, it's almost they're a little bit more afraid of me and like not as connected, right? So like somebody that hears like, oh, you're the best dad ever and stuff. Well, no, I, I'm a dad, and, and I have to reconcile that stuff sometimes, right? I have to have humility and say, hey, I failed, right? Like I can go back and see like, hey, that kid was scared when I like yelled at him. Uh, and, and not like just a yelling, like a berating, like, oh, why did you break this again? Uh, you know, like I don't understand and like just being pissed off in general. And uh, But I have to go and reconcile those things. And I think it's how you react to things that happen too. How you how you take your failures and how you move forward with your failures as well.
0: Well, you said people have gotten to know you. You've done some pretty cool things. Good Morning America did something on you in 2019. Yeah. Why would Good Morning America come to the Icorn household? <laughs>
1: well, that was a weird thing. I, like, I built an igloo in the backyard because I, I enjoyed doing stuff with my kids. So we built this giant igloo and we made it handicap accessible so the wheelchairs could roll in this. This snow fort. So, like, yeah, I am Snow Fort Dad. If you if you Google <laughs> Snow Fort Dad, that's me. And uh, how big was the igloo? I don't know. It was just a regular size igloo, like maybe ten feet high or something like that. Um, and uh, my buddy took a picture and put it on Reddit with my wheelchair daughter in there. And uh, the world needed something good, I guess. So it went to fifth trending world news story. It was like a 100 different countries posted this like weird snow fort that I built. That's wild. Yeah, just because somebody they needed something good and I guess they liked that Sahara was black and I was white. Wow. <laughs> the wow. A,
0: well, they needed something good. There's something to that. We're, we're looking for some good news, you know? And I think this is just really good news having having you here to push us on effort. Push us on priorities. You haven't talked priorities, but it's definitely something we're being pushed on right now. Like, okay, you've got some things that you're doing, and you're intentionally putting effort towards that. I need to be spending more time on. It's it's really good. I, I'm feeling better today. I am, and you're making me feel better in a positive way. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right, Greg. Let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about the lightning round. You, you listen to the podcast, you know the lightning round. Most guests are not smart enough to do the lightning round because they don't understand the lightning round is like quick, fiery answers. Like that's, that's all you get. Can you do the lightning round? Are you up sure. for it? Sure. All right, here we go. I got a couple different, different sectors for you. I'm going to talk workout. I'm going to talk kids and I'm going to talk leadership at home. Are you ready for the lightning round? Always. Key to great strength training for your workout:
1: showing up, going to the gym. Yep. You feel sick? Go.
0: Uh, yeah. See, there's a problem with the lightning round. I always wanted to then give follow-up questions. You're right. It's like, what's the best workout? It's the one you're doing. You know.
1: Yeah. If you're actually going, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. You meet. You you meet your max rep. Keep going. Like you get hurt, keep going. Push.
0: Best food to be eating while trying to gain muscle.
1: Every day I eat eggs. Yep. If you're, if you're high cholesterol, then eat egg whites.
0: Most underrated piece of workout equipment.
1: I'm a rock climber, but pull-up bar. Do toes to bars, do pull-ups, do lock-offs, do muscle-ups if you're strong. Toe-ups. Oh, yeah. You like take your toes and you bend in half. Keep your legs straight. Touch your toes to the bar. It's excellent. Hurt your abs.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, got a, I've got a pull-up bar. I'm not too bad, but you, you, you start talking about those different variants. Yeah, I'm not doing those. I'm a loser. All right, another way you make me feel like a loser. Strength
1: building when you're not in the gym. Body, weight, everything. Push-ups, planks, sit-ups, squats. Do it at home. You don't need anything.
0: How to push through the wall.
1: Remember that the world needs badasses just as much as doctors, nurses, teachers.
0: All right. Before we go into the next round of lightning round, which is kids, you mentioned a couple times pacifist, pacifist, and now you're talking about being a badass. What are you, a pacifist or a badass? Or are they together? And what kind of pacifist are you right now?
1: <laughs> pacifist. I don't... Well, I'm just using uh, your yeah, words. Sure. You've uh, mentioned no, you've no, yeah. that a couple yeah, times, sure. I'm like, hey, well, yeah. what do you mean by I, that? I, I don't like... Fighting with people, or uh, I don't like people to feel unloved when I'm talking to them, or I don't like overpowering people and beating them, or even lording over the fact that I'm better in some way. Uh, but at the same time, they're not opposites. You can be both. Uh, so, me being a badass, me pushing my hardest every single day I can in every capacity that I can that's being a badass. Like pushing through weights, right? I did a 24 hour Turkish get up challenge. My arm locked up, my Oblique locked up, my leg locked up. I kept going. You push through that pain, and people need that. The world needs to see that people will push through crap when it hurts, when it's tough, and you can do it. Again, like, I hope somebody listening, honestly, I hope somebody's like, man, I could beat that 24-hour. If you want to beat 24-hour Turkish get-up challenge, 74,000 pounds. Oh, lift, do 1,600 get-ups. I did 1,583, do 1,600, and I will send you a thank-you note.
0: No joke. That's good. All right, kids, lightning round. Most effective way to build relationships with your kids?
1: Quality time.
0: One thing you try to do every day with your kids?
1: I try to have at least one encouraging or growth interaction with each one of my kids every single day. Subtly, uh, intentionally, just going out of my way. That's an awesome Lego castle. Something. Small something. Something.
0: Biggest learning that you wish every parent had?
1: Love and hard work. Like, they're, they're together. You have to have it together. You can't just have love. You can't just... Hard work and love, both. That's how you create good kids. Most
0: aggressive mistake you've made as a parent?
1: Oof. Yeah, and I had, I had mentioned earlier, just like that, that disconnect, that, yeah. uh, man, that's... a. Yeah, pushing too hard maybe for kids like and and like what they can understand and what they can – just losing that connection from the too much discipline, too much structure, making them want to be too good.
0: Okay, we're going to talk about leadership at home. Key to being a leader in your home. Consistency in action. Yeah, what does that even mean, leader? I'll just just rant a little bit here if I could right now. Like I I get really bothered when – women who are christians tell me they're frustrated with their husband because he's not the spiritual leader in the home or they say I want my husband to be a spiritual leader in the home and, and and I and I go like I ask what what does that mean to you and it seems like women are expecting some women are expecting their husband to lead bible studies every day and to be you know scheduling what the next mission trip for the family is and it should be once a month while they while they, you know, lead the family in in a, in a fast for forty days, I, I don't, I don't even know what to talk about. I'm like, I'm like, if I was your husband, I wouldn't be leading you well according to your according to your definition. In fact, I, I think I've done two Bible studies with my family, and and I only did two because every time I did them, someone would cry. <laughs> every <laughs> every time. Um, now I was and am the leader of my home, but it's different than what people think it is. And I just some some women I just want to say, hey. If your husband knows Jesus and is to go to church with you, you're in the upper 1%. You're very, very rare. But in your house, what does it look like for you to be a leader?
1: Oh, man, just how I treat other people. So, like, we teach our kids. I know this is a lightning round. This is it, of, it, it is, as, but uh, I just
0: went off on a. I just I went know. off. Go ahead. You, you break the lightning round for this one question. All go right. ahead.
1: Fair enough. So in our family, we have five family values that are undeniable that everyone has to have everyone possesses so intentionality is our number one right generosity being compassionate being protectors and overall just being virtuous doing the right thing when people aren't even around to watch it those are our things those are our values we teach our kids every day you ask my my 6-year-old you know like they know those values because i'll say why are you doing that and they have to give me a reason why they're doing it what are you doing Oh, you're taking trash from the baby and you made him cry? Pfft, great, excellent. He was yeah. going to eat it. You're protecting him. Five values, and they all know them. They all know them, yep. We talk about them every day, every day at breakfast. Really? Yep. Jeez. Every day.
0: Uh, it's kind of worth noting that, um, you know, the way I got to, to know you is your name came across my desk as someone I should write a thank you note to for being very financially generous to the church I lead Crossroads. And, um... I'm just writing you thankful note, thank you notes regularly. And then I see you and I see what's going on. And I think, oh my gosh, this family is unbelievable. Most people are looking for every opportunity they can to not be generous. Everyone's got an out. You've got, I mean, you've got so many places you can be putting your resources inside of your own family, inside of your high needs children. What, what's it, Why would you make that one of your values? One of the five, generosity.
1: Uh, generosity is the reason I became a Christian. So I I was at a big vineyard Dave Workman gave this bomber message of like hey radical generosity and I had I I was 19 had two cars had a truck and a really car that I really really liked and uh Dave Workman gave this bomb message they had a Wheels Ministry they gave cars to single moms and stuff to get to work and uh I decided to become a Christian because I was already going to church I was already tithing even And I decided to give away my nicer car and keep my crappy truck because I was going to put my first and my most into God and into that relationship, that effort. And uh, that was a turning point where people say, when did you become a Christian? Not the 10 years that I went to church prior to that. At that moment when I decided to give my best and put my best forward. Effort. You put effort in. I gave that car away, and I felt the best I've ever felt in my life giving away a vehicle. I didn't have money to give a vehicle away. I had two cars, but I'm like, hey, I'm gonna trust that God's gonna keep this crappy truck running. Uh, I remember th- that winter sliding up onto sidewalks because it was like a rear-wheel drive F188 or something. I'm like, ah, like sliding around and being like, oh shit, shouldn't have given that, uh, shouldn't have given that car away, maybe, but uh, no, it was the best decision I've ever made, and I think that's enhanced all my relationships moving forward, uh, just knowing God in that way.
0: Oh, that's so good. That's so good. All right, leadership at home. Back to lightning round.
1: Making difficult decisions. Together. My wife's my partner,
0: so. Well, that's the next question.
1: Biggest lesson you've learned from your wife? Uh, um, She's taught me over the years that people's emotions matter. I'm not very. Hey, you you wouldn't believe it. I'm not very empathetic. Somebody will whine to me or cry to me, and I'll be like, "Get over it!" Like, uh, and uh, she's no. People's feelings matter. So she's taught me that like very very well.
0: Hardest part about being a stay at home dad.
1: (sighs) My kids break everything. We have a saying in our house. I'm surprised that you're surprised. Katie and I have that interaction at least twice a day where I'm like, they broke this. Like, this floor is supposed to be indestructible. Uh, and there's another chip in it. Like, yeah, I'm surprised that you're surprised. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Greg, is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about at all? This has been, this has been deep and rich and uh, hugely appropriately challenging.
1: Um, I think I think the biggest thing that I want to say it's almost a personal agenda, if you will. Um, I think that there's a huge need for foster care and adoption. Uh, I, I think that like it's a lacking effort. Like, especially There's three niches in foster care and adoption that are overlooked. Every time that we've taken a kid into our house, we've made that decision based on the fact we're going to choose the one that we think won't be placed the easiest. So we've literally had a list of five kids, and we're like, which one are we going to pick? That one's not getting a home. We're taking that one. Uh, No joke. And uh, so that means we said, sorry, four kids, you don't have a home. And because there's such a need, we have 11 kids, okay? So like if other people don't step up in this way, there's gonna be four kids for every five that I'm presented with and I'm done, I'm finished. I'm now to the point where I'm saying, hey, if you're thinking you wanna do it, then do something about it. Go to an info session. Talk to a foster care agency. Consider adopting. Talk to your wife. It's Most of the problems are the men because women are, oh, they're like, oh, we love kids. We love babies. And men are like, oh, my one's too much or, you know, my two's too much. Uh, and it's men are the problem. So if men start thinking, man, God has really taken me into his family when he's already had way enough on his plate and uh, like consider stepping out and doing something, right? Consider, so the three niches, I'm sorry, uh, medical needs is number one. Like there's there's no medical needs homes. Medical needs kids go into homes like they go to St. Joe's Orphanage or programs where they just sit and they, they die in a program unloved. Elijah was supposed to die when he was a month old. He's 13. He's in the hospice program, but he's 13 years old. And he had a spinal cord that was deteriorating. The only reason he's alive is because of love. The other two niches, teenagers don't have a place to go. Take them in, adopt them. And then teach them how to go. And then sibling groups, keeping families together. Keeping families together is important. So biological siblings, keep them together. Those are your three niches. They get overlooked. And uh, I'm not even saying, oh, you should consider adoption. You should consider one step further in the harder way. You should consider adoption of special needs, sibling groups, teenagers. And uh, I know that's mean to say, and people are like, oh, that's too much. Yeah, a lot of stuff's too much.
0: Okay, so you say you should do that. <clears throat> Nest, Why? Not, not
1: everyone. No,
0: okay, That's a really great awareness mm-hmm. of the issue It's out there. Yep, absolutely. But there's also some benefits of some upsides to it. Why
1: should someone do this? Oh, man. The love that people and the success that people have from taking that in. Like my kids would not be succeeding the way that they are if they did not have loving people around them, building into them and teaching them good values in a good way to not – continue the same process that's already happened for years in those same families. Uh, Love, love, again, and not just love, love and hard work on your part can change the world. If you want to make an impact, you have to make hard decisions. You have to do hard work. You have to do hard work. My life is hard work. It's not easy. We've had two kids in the ICU at the same time. We've had four surgeries in the same week. Get over it. Get over it, right? You roll. You roll. You roll with it, right? Find something good to tether to. Find God to tether to. Talk to God about it, right? And all my prayers don't end up being answered well. Sometimes I have to homeschool my kids for a whole year because my kid's immune suppressed, right? Sometimes my kid gets sick and he goes to the hospital for a week and you deal with it.
0: Yes, right. That's some of the most manly stuff I've ever heard right now. You, you, you could talk trucks and guns and and that stuff all you want and rock climbing, but when, there, when there's a guy who puts his ass on the line for another life every day, not just a life, nine other lives, every 13, well, how, many, how many? I
1: have 11 kids. 11, okay. <laughs> nine,
0: 13, 11, whatever it takes. Put your rear on the line every day and lay down your life for your wife and for a higher vision of people whose God's created. Man, that's, that's challenging and that's invigorating. Thank you. Greg, someone wants to follow up with you, or they want to hear what's going on with you, any way for people to do that? Uh,
1: Not really. (laughs) No, I know. I, I was that's, like, I was that's like, so good.
0: Normally, normally, right now, someone says, Well, yeah, I have a book coming out, or Well, yeah, follow me on Instagram. Well, yeah, I don't have any website. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just doing my thing. And well, the rest of you losers out there do all your thing. But meanwhile, <laughs> I'm actually loving people aggressively.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I will say we volunteer with this organization called The Shepherd's Crook. Orphan Ministry. Uh, if you you're not going to follow up with me, but uh, those people do awesome stuff. They're really uh, the Shepherd's Crook Orphan Ministry. They help place medical needs kids, uh, kids that have been adopted that went back into the system. They help place those kids in homes in loving homes. Uh, we financially support them. We Katie volunteers. Like I don't even do any of the work. Katie volunteers doing all the work there. Uh, very great people. If you want to give some money give some money if you don't then maybe adopt one of their kids or do something harder.
0: Okay, how do we give money? I can at least do that. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I can at uh, least do that. Uh,
1: the Shepherd's Crook uh, Orphan Ministry, you can just pull up their website and uh they have they have a link to giving and you'll see all these kids and be like, "Oh man, and those are real kids. 90% of kids uh don't get adopted off their website, but they help some of those kids get homes.
0: Greg Icorn, you're a good man, you're an aggressive man. Thanks for being with us today. That's it, boys and girls. This is the kind of stuff you get with the aggressive life. Um, I'm wondering how many of us actually turn this off because I think probably halfway through people are like, you know what, that's a little too difficult for me. You know what, I'm starting to feel a little guilty. You shouldn't feel guilty. Greg's talking about his life. He's talking about his life. Um, I I don't know why we shun away from these things or turn away from these things, but I think a lot of folks... um, said that's nah, too aggressive for me today. I'm out on this one, but for those of us who stayed all the way through, you blessed us big and thank you for being a part of the part of the group known as the Aggressive Life Warriors. Thanks. We'll see you next time on the Aggressive Life Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com find my new book move a guide to get up and go forward as well as articles and much much more and no matter where you listen to podcasts why don't you take a second and leave us a rating leave us a review it really really helps us drive new listeners to the show we want to help as many people as possible just like we may have helped you we want to help others so why don't you help us out And if you want to connect find me on instagram at brian tome Aggressive Life with Brian Tomes, a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.